I don't even know what I'm talking about. Doesn't matter. Neither do we. <laughs> Just go for it. I didn't want you to ask Lisa any questions about the movie because I want your full unedited opinion on certain things. Okay, but I might not know much because oh, I, I just wrote it. Oh, I know. Okay, but I'll just be honest. Tell yeah. you what I know. That's the whole point. We're trying to do something, I guess, in a similar vein. We're doing a short film at the end of the summer that's horror, comedy, more comedy than horror. Is it the one that, um, is it Tila was writing? Yep. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. So that's so a good intro. So before, no, before we start no, I that. I mean, like, not like for the podcast, but for like, yes. we have something to jump off of now. Um, do you want to open that? Pardon? Do you want to open that? Uh, do I? This is how we're, we're going <laughs> to. Just so that, because otherwise it'll be awkward, right? It's true. There you go. And it'll be noisy. Oh, do we want. This is not an ASMR unboxing. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, look how pretty that is. That's going to be in the shot. Like you could have threw it off camera, but you decided to go right on the edge. Yeah, I suppose. Here. There we go. <laughs> this is nice. Yeah. That's Thank gorgeous. You. It's very uh, professional looking. It is. You just giving these away? <laughs> I could get you one. Oh, I bet you could. Should we hang it up in front of our local cinema? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Except it's press board, it might, uh, it might, might not last long. It erode in the rain. <laughs> that's cool. Yes, it is. And that's uh, the film adaptation, if I'm right. Of... So it got a title change. Got a different title. That's a good point. Well, because it's the same demon with a different story. Because eventually what I want to do is... Um, I want, especially once the movie comes out, I want to put a call out to do an anthology and everyone has to write about the demon, but it's the demon of technology and they can take any liberties they want with the storyline. That works. Yeah. So it'll be a full anthology with different writers about the same demon. S sounds like a Black Mirror thing almost to me. Well, well yeah. But I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Dracula and Werewolf and all that where everyone hmm. just writes whatever they want. And you did it, you did it much like... The smart writers in college would do you adapted a novel of yours to a screenplay but you still keep the rights to your novel to yourself That's right. back in school we had people who would write their hearts out for these film projects but if you pay attention to the contracts we sign as students any project mm -hmm. that we do is owned by the school so there's people yeah. writing these movies that they had developed over the course of years that are no longer theirs, so they cannot develop it after school. So when I was pitching everything, I was very careful. I took some of my major ideas, but I changed them just enough that I could still maintain all ownership of the original content, changing names and certain yeah. elements and whatnot. Because I, concepts are open. Yeah. They're not copyrighted. You can't copyright it. People have been trying. Have That's, you seen that? I don't know if it works the same way for students doing like scientific research. That'd be unfortunate. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Because no. any research you do in the university no. or whatever is, yeah, it's not yours. No. It sucks. But that's just how it goes. Yeah, at least creativity-wise, you can be a bit more free. Yes. In the arts. That's the best thing about being indie. Can yeah. Do whatever you want. It's true. Until you get somebody breathing down your neck about something that you now have to produce for them or whatever. If you get yourself into one of those jobs, in which case it seems kind of pointless to me. I don't know. Yeah, you're always good just to cover yourself. And like I keep track of 
while Word does, I don't know if you're familiar with that, you should be being in your business, that it actually keeps track of how many hours you're writing yep. and the project you're writing on and all of that. I keep all of it for years. I just put it on a, a hard drive. Most of the um, most of the writing software nowadays, like I uh, just started using a new screenwriting software and it's really good about telling me what how long I've been working on a specific project, minute for minute, and it'll... Well, yeah, that way you can track your hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. It's nice. It also has a blackout screen, so it won't let me access other parts of my computer for a set amount of time, so I can only focus yeah. on the script. <laughs> if you need that, yeah, that's a good Sometimes thing. I do. Yeah. Sometimes it's But what not... about if you need, if you're in the middle of an idea and you're like, oh, I got to research something... You're just screwed. You have to wait. Oh. <laughs> See if you <laughs> could just circumvent the thing that's keeping you in line. Is it really? Is there really any point? No. Now? Well, but yeah, because you got your tablet, your phone. You know, I got th the other computer over there. Thankfully, a lot of this stuff that I write, there doesn't need to be research. To a certain extent, there should be. Well, you think of just about any story. There's something you might want to research yeah. or pull from. Or... Well, yeah, because usually, I mean, I'm making like this science fiction. I'm making up whatever I want, but I still might have like I had to create a spaceship. So I still had to do some research on flight, um, you know, stuff like that, materials. Like case in point, I've done, outside of just background research on the whole St. Nicholas backstory, I've done very little actual research on the Christmas movie that I've been working on for years. Because once you incorporate magic into it, the whole research element doesn't necessarily have to yeah take it's place. usually just little weird things like i don't know if your setting how your setting is but say they're in college and you might want to research what hours the classes start and end and you know how many classes run per day things like that right but the difference with that is is when i'm writing most of the time it's just scripts it's not it's not uh yes books, you're doing so i don't yeah, need to I'm be that books. specific a class in the morning is just in the morning unless <laughs> right. it's very time sensitive it's just a morning class yeah. but that's true that's a good point to say welcome to a funny thing happened on the way the podcast i'm jesse and i'm eric and this is Teresa. welcome back thank you and before you start anything i do also want to say that you can look us up on spotify google play music iHeartRadio. Exactly it's called I Pardon? iHeartRadio. Yeah, iHeartRadio for some reason. We're YouTube? all over. You have a YouTube channel too? We do have YouTube. We have Facebook. We are on podcast.com. Everywhere. And Apple Podcasts. We are everywhere. Creating such low numbers that we're not making waves on any of them. Hey, Except not, for Facebook. It's not true. Facebook, Facebook does okay. Facebook's doing well. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how you get the most views from Facebook, eh? The, each social media platform has its its pros and cons, but Facebook definitely seems to be the traffic. There's lots of lots of people who use Facebook, lots of people who share things, like things, comment on things. Mm -hmm. It seems to be a more friendlier atmosphere for for sharing things. It seems because so I think a lot of people might yeah, just watch absolutely. a YouTube video and just leave after, you know, not sort of leave any mark on it. I can't remember the last time I commented on a YouTube video. Me neither. I gave that up like 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I don't comment. Unless it's not, I, I mean, even if it's something I'm really passionate about, I just comment to myself. I, yeah, I only comment on my own so I can leave my links. <laughs> well, that's true. When, when Antea had her episode uploaded, I did reply to comments. I'll reply to comments. I won't make my own. Oh, yeah. I think I commented on that one, too. I feel like I did. And you replied to me. Oh. I believe. Yeah. Try to keep up One with that them. kind of stuff. Our ex-escort yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. At she this was... point, 
as far as our radar goes, even if people make a vague mention of our podcast on some other yeah, we comment. page, just comment. <laughs> just try to. Promote. Well, yeah, you, you should link it anyway. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah so for sure. That's what I do with. We make weird writing. waves sometimes. You said you were recognized once, right, Eric? Yeah, and told I've it. had told it a million times. And I've had I've had do small little blips. Do authors get recognized at all in public? I mean, there's no face attached to a book. Well, sometimes there is. There could be, I book, guess. But some um, people put their face. Yeah, in well, this and one. more so now with social media. I actually, because I work in retail, up until recently, um, people would come in the store and they would actually recognize me, and they'd be like, "Oh my God, you're that writer on Facebook," because by and my doctor even it was so random. Like That's I went cool. to the doctor one day and she's like, "That's a little like, personal. I don't know hey. if I want my doctor <laughs> to know more about me." Oh. No, actually, she's bought some of my books and That's she's cool. she's very supportive of the arts. She's an artist herself. Hopefully, so. you uh, charge this doctor full price. <laughs> I charge her double. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor's rate. That's right. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Yeah, when so you, it's really cool. Um, I think if my timeline serves. If my memory serves right, when were you in chapters? When was the book in chapters the last time? January 2017? No. That was before I even knew you. 2018 then? There we go. So it was actually well after we had this conversation. So maybe we were treading on waters again, or the same waters. But that, to me, is intriguing. The chapters really does support, to a certain extent, independent writers. What was that like? But keep it vague in case we have talked about it. Yeah, no, I don't know that we did. But yeah, they're very highly supportive, which I was I thought it was going to be difficult to get in because it was just word of mouth. Someone said, you know, you can have a signing at Chapters. And you just go online and you fill out a form and back and forth with the manager because it is up to the store manager, 100%. The nice thing about this is we can say photos of your book signing are on the screen now because I have them. That's right. Very nice. Yeah. And um, I actually was their top selling author for independent signing that's that's an impressive i guess i don't know if it's all the years that they've been doing it i don't know how many years they've been doing it even if it's in 2018 like if it's the top in 2018 that's still impressive she said she came right up to me after when i went because they actually the problem with chapters is that they get 50 percent of your sales so i bring all my books at my cost and then I price them whatever I want. I can make them a hundred dollars a book if I wanted to, but no I one wouldn't. will buy them, right? Well, that's just it. I made them market value twelve ninety nine, um, so they get half and I get half. So technically, I'm not making any money on the books that I sell that day, but it's getting your face out there and yep. having people come into chapters and be like, "Oh, hey, you live here and you write. That's really cool." Because people like that. And I sold twenty eight books that day, which I guess is their top. Like I thought I did. Good, not great, but good. And I was like shocked that I was their top seller. Hmm. I was impressed. I I don't know. I I don't visit chapters often. Usually for me, it's like holiday shopping or just getting a book for somebody else Mm because I usually can't justify buying myself one. But does it seem like it's still thriving in a way that maybe it it was 15 years ago? Anytime you go in chapters, it is a mass of people but there is still a ton of people going into chapters not buying books because they do have their home a lot of them their just... own line of home accessories oh yeah but no it's books you see yeah. people at the cash registers yeah. with books hmm. yeah people still love books i don't they'll never die see for me i transitioned to doing just the audiobook thing a little while well, a couple of years ago and i stuck to it i for some reason retain more i can oh, listen yeah. to it more than i can sit down and read necessarily so i have two books in audio as well perfect 
well then maybe those are the ones that I would give a try first because sounds good because I yeah I, I can't justify sitting down to read anymore for some reason and Just, it's, a, it's a performance like yeah. a, a good audiobook is well, yeah. a good performance that too depends yeah because really I, I was lucky and I got really good editor uh, authors oddly enough I, I can speak i listen to a lot of non-fiction Narrators. there we go we got it right on the third time <laughs> listen to a lot of non-fiction so if it's cut and dry i yeah. actually don't even mind either i'll still listen to it i've tried and i find like i'm always thinking so i just zone out and i'll be listening to an audiobook and then i'm like oh okay i have no clue what happened and i have to go back like huh. for me it's the opposite hour. books I'll, I'll lose where i am or yeah. I'll, I'll not understand something i'll reread it 10 times and then i'll realize the information i was looking for was in the two sentences ahead of where i'd gotten to <laughs> and, and just simple things like that whereas the audiobook forces me to continue it it all makes sense in the end kind of thing yeah i only do audiobooks when i'm like walking the dog right but I that's can't. that's useful now that's yeah. not wasted time anymore exactly. now you're making use of the time yeah. audiobooks in the car driving all the time that yes that's, that's i don't drive i drive I to work and home that's like yeah. seven minutes well nowadays with the traffic 30. Yeah, but 30 minutes every day, or an yeah, hour every day. It adds day, up. Yeah. That's plenty. Yeah. Or I even got 35 minutes now. I can knock out an audiobook a week. It's surprising. I actually make more money on the audiobooks too, and I only have two of them than mm-hmm. I do on any of my book sales. And I don't sell as many because they sell for a lot higher. Hmm. Well, you also don't have physical costs with the audiobooks once it's recorded. Oh, yeah. But, well, it's the same with these. If I put it on Amazon, like it's on 15 different channels doesn't cost me anything if you download it. It's true. But I only make a few cents. Hmm. Whereas with an audiobook, it costs you $15 and I make eight. What's the process like getting somebody to voice record very the cool. book? What did you say? It's a very cool process because we had talked about it at one point. <laughs> yeah, it depends. There's different ways that you can do it. Um, you can choose to, you put um, a segment of your book on and then people can audition. And you can say, I'm willing to pay you. The lowest you're allowed to pay is $50 per reading hour. Um, so that's like if the book takes three hours while you're listening to it, that's the reading hour. Not sure. It could take them 20 days to, to read it. Far, they better be good at the job, I guess. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it only cost me a couple hundred dollars American um, hmm. to get a narrator to read my book. And it's up to them if they don't want to accept that low. You know, like James Fair. Earl Jones is on there. He's not. He accept. no, he would not. He'll probably be like you know three thousand dollars an hour or something, if not more. Even then, I mean, you almost need a production. You need somebody to help you because there's a lot of editing where you're going to take bits of the audio out because you got to redo certain lines. You got to start over, take breaks, things like that. So it's it's I not think just the people who do it are the one shot used to it. Uh, yeah, because yeah, when um, when the guy did my book kept, I had a, a gentleman read that one. And he had the entire book back to me, the audio, within, I'm going to say, two weeks tops. It's not bad. And so, like, it comes in chapters. So I'll listen to the chapter and make sure it's good. And I would notate, okay, this spot, I feel like he didn't leave a long enough pause between sections because he just kept reading. So I don't notate the time. And then when I contacted him back, I said, everything is perfect. Just these three or four times are a little fast. Can you slow them down? He went, thank you for notating the time. That's a huge help for him. Yep. He went back in, sent them back to me within two hours. That's pretty quick. Hmm. So people are definitely good at their game yeah. when they're recording audiobook voices. Yeah. It interests me. It's. <laughs> you think, I guess when people do it, it's their first read through the book. So they're almost going to be just as surprised as the, the reader will. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. I never quite thought about it like yeah, that. Yeah, it was really um, an interesting process and I fully enjoyed it. 
And I'd like to One. get some more. Gaia. Finnegan's mouth pulled up into a grin. He drew in a deep breath of icy air and took a step forward. He felt free. In fact, he couldn't recall the last time he felt this free. A high wind gusted through the pines, echoed off the white peaks, and reverberated down the mountainside. This is good reading. His thick-soled baffin boots cracked the wafer-thin top layer of snow. <laughs> it gave baffin makes a good before his foot sunk past his ankles into the soft down hey, below. I'm telling you, when he I don't the just heft say of boots. his Remington 798 in his left hand as he curled his fingers around the wood stock. I think we get these eyes. <laughs> Yeah, could you even understand that on the... It's a little grating, but, yeah. but you can hear it. Um, but I do I do have audio samples that are free. So which book which book was that? <laughs> that was kept. Okay, I, I'm gonna read I'm gonna go through and get that one because whoever the heck's wearing baffin boots is interesting to me because they make <laughs> they make good boots. The warmest boots I have are baffin yeah, boots. Yeah, I mean I can't remember off the top of my head, but I mean I also detailed what rifle it is that he uses and Ooh, little things like that. That's interesting. Okay, to yeah. give the story well, flavor, right? I don't read enough fiction, so maybe that's why I haven't checked out any of your books, even though we talked about them the last yeah. time. Because it's, I don't know, fiction is something that if I start reading fiction, I tend to sequentially read like maybe five or six books in a row, but then I go back to whatever science books or philosophy or whatever. I, On I that one is read. science fiction. Okay. Um, but it is more a study in human psychology. That's interesting too then. Yeah. So on the audiobook side, can you just submit your own and not that you would do it but if for some reason you decided that you wanted to do the audio for your book you can just submit Absolutely. audio files yeah you can submit it yourself and it won't cost you a dime it's hmm. cool yeah and who would be more f familiar with the work than the writer of course yeah the only thing is having the proper equipment like what you have yes i mean it'd be a great way if you wanted to do it for you to make That's some mon some money right I mean, if there was money in in doing it, it wouldn't. It would pre pretty much cost the amount you would have to pay somebody to buy the equipment to record just one book. Yes, like it wouldn't even yeah. be that bad. One of these microphones with one of the well, I guess the record. You don't got to go so fancy with the recording device, but maybe if you spent four hundred dollars, you'd have enough to record forever. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, that's also assuming that she feels comfortable enough to record her own audio and well, release it to the world. Yeah. Um, I actually did for Sudden Death on my phone, and I have it on YouTube, and it's free for anyone who wants to listen to it. I just literally sat there and read the book cover to cover. Wow. And, yeah. But I found it hard because there's so many different characters, and, like, I'm not good at doing voices, right? No. Like, and, I can and only I guess do people, so many inflections, and then... People do look for that in, in some yeah. cases, especially with fiction. I, I think yeah. the one that stands out most to me is Harry Potter when I... I listened to the entire series, and, and that made a big difference, the way that certain characters had different voices and there was lots Absolutely. of reflections. Yeah, you have to have that, yeah. I think, to make it worth listening to. Because I, I, I got in one of my free things, a Dean Koontz book. I love Dean Koontz. I thought I'd listen to that on my car rides, and I could not stand the narrator. Hmm. He never changed his tone. He's reading men and women, and it's like, this First audio book I, I ever listened it. to was Lord of the Flies. That was in grade nine because I could not get through the written book. I, I forced myself <laughs> to read the that. text of that one. So the teacher <laughs> gave me book. the audio book, and it must have been like a digital version of an old school narrator because he just droned on and on. <laughs> there was no inflection in the writing. Yeah. In the, in the it was horrible. <laughs> not one of my favorite literary classics by any means I, I like it 
like it. I, I the like time. the concept. I, I like everything sim- about it. But I love yeah, the symbolism. It's very boring as well. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of symbolism, a lot of relatable things. Maybe I should go back to it. Young Maybe boys. I get the symbolism now. Yeah. Maybe I was just stupid in grade nine. I'm sure I was. I didn't have to read it in grade nine. I think it was grade eleven for me for some reason. What the hell am I doing? Re- Maybe I would have enjoyed it more in grade eleven. Yeah. Shakes. I wonder if Shakespeare is still Elf. the main go-to for high school students. I believe so. I couldn't. I can't. I'd have to ask around. I love the Twelfth Night. It's my favorite one. Macbeth was definitely up there, and, and Hamlet was pretty good too. Midsummer Night Dreams, mm, so so. And grade nine was also Romeo and Juliet for me. So. Romeo and Juliet was great, <laughs> which is also okay. But honestly, this I don't know. Seeing seeing all of those in actual theater is good. Reading a play is a very different thing, and you have to analyze so much more of it when you're in school too. Things you would never bother to question as a sane person looking just for some entertainment. <laughs> Okay, that brings up a subject which I figured I was going to wait until I'm famous before I tell everybody, but I'm going to tell you now. I must be Ooh, famous anyway. Secret in your podcast. You better put that on there. Okay. Okay. I... We got a clickbait title. We got to come yeah. up with one. Okay. Okay. Clickbait. I did not make it to grade nine. I quit school after grade eight. To pursue what? Perhaps? That's a that's a secret alert to everybody. But I knew that you well, told me. Well, that yeah, but point. I mean, <laughs> as an author, I yeah. wasn't gonna, you know, tell the world that hey, I'm I'm an author, and guess what? I have no education. I'm sure that there are there many are others probably like you. a lot of others as well. Yes, but the, the biggest question is, I guess, what did you go to pursue instead of school? I just didn't like rules. I didn't like being told what to do. Yeah, being a rebel. I still a good don't. Thing. <laughs> so what did you did did you? Start working early, or uh, well, I try. I thought I could quit school and get a job, but yeah. alas, I could not. I was only fourteen, so and <laughs> <laughs> so I basically took off. I left my family home and kind of ventured out with my boyfriend and hmm. um, did a whole lot of nothing. I didn't get my first job till I was uh, seventeen. I'm going to say we're good at Wendy's. It's, it's three years of nothing. That's three years a, of nothing. What'd you do in those three years? Where'd you go? <laughs> the back streets. No. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the back streets in Niagara? No, I'm actually from BC. Okay. So I lived in Prince George. And then my parents, even when I was, I think, 18, they moved all the way here to Ontario, and I was still out there by myself. Hmm. Did not want to come here. No? Yeah. Okay, we won't get into that because all the Niagara people will hate me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it, there's a weird thing around this region where anybody that's born, especially St. Catharines, but but many of the cities in the region, they, they want to leave. They think it's terrible. It but I terrible. come from somewhere else and I don't mind it. <laughs> yeah, I don't I mind know. it either. The weather, yeah, but, particularly. Well, that I stay for the weather. Yeah. Honestly, I'm only here for the weather. As soon as I have enough money, I'm gone. Because then I can live where I want to live and fly to nice weather. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Where do you want to live? I want to go back to the mountains. Which is, I mean, I've never been there, but Honestly, I'm sure it's you know what? You can sling coffee aesthetic. all day if you're looking at a mountain. You really don't care. doesn't matter what it you're doing. It doesn't matter so what you do. Hmm. And I mean, writing is great because you can do that anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I can just take it with me. Hmm. I don't know if, given the option where I would live. See, the, the trouble with Canada is they're really nowhere tropical or... or we talked about super that. exotic. Canada should buy a tropical island. It's true. If we if Canada just bought some tropical yeah. island somewhere, that'd be a good idea. And then, and then all the tourists there, will go there. Being Canadian yeah. citizens, get yeah. health care. Yeah, great. Yeah, even like you know, for people who can't cross the border or whatever, you can have your vacations yes. still. 
we should buy an island in the tropics. Well, you um, call up the government and get them on that right now. Perfect. Well, we already have a video out there saying that they should, and they haven't returned our phone calls, so <laughs> it's a problem. I agree. I'm still working on it. Or when I'm a bazillionaire, I'll do it, and you're welcome to come to my island. Fantastic. If you're a bazillionaire, yeah. you definitely are going to need a good accountant. Because <laughs> Is that a, a tie-in to something? No, I'm just saying, if you're walking around saying I'm a bazillionaire, <laughs> you're going to end up in the nut house. Probably. A bazillion. <laughs> weird. Some people have too much money. Weird side fact about money. I hear that they're taking the all of the $1, $2, $1,000, and a couple other bills out of circulation. So if you have a $1,000 bill, spend it. I was going to say, there aren't any more $1 and $2 bills. You, apparently, you can still spend them. I know they're not in production. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, okay. but soon enough. If you enough, have them, no. you can still spend them. Yep. No. I do not have any. I'd love to see a $1,000 bill in my possession. Yes. Wouldn't that be nice to find on the street? It would be like great. Like somebody thinks they're fake. And... <laughs> I've been carrying a million-dollar bill around with me for... Oh, I have a million-dollar bill. Years. It hasn't well, helped you know, gain but, but they say if you, yeah, if you carry it around with you, it will happen. Well, not yet. Is that supposed to be like money attracts more money or That's something? Right. That's what the churches want you to think. That's what they told me in religion class. That's, like, that's what you just, need to do is open a church. church. That's true. A yes. mega church. I, I heard that there's some church in the United States that now has its own police force. Like, not just security, but like, like a, a Scientology? Police force. No. <laughs> I can, Surpri- I can see surprisingly that. not. Although it would be like the secret police at that point. You'd have to be like, they'd all be undercover. Watching it for any of their members to stray out of the, <laughs> straight out of line. Well, uh. John Oliver made fun of the megachurch thing and created his own religion. And he was like, it was disturbingly easy to actually set up a church. And they called it, they made fun of everything. I forget exactly what they called it, but it was, it was a joke. But they made fun of the fact that once you own a church like that, you start asking for money and people sent them, they, they call it seeds, Right, yeah. all the religious people on TV say, "Send us seed money, and you'll get it back." So they got a lot of money. They also got seeds, and they got a lot of semen. What? Why? Human seed. I guess. Oh, God. But why? I don't know. I didn't send it to. Them. Who the heck sits there like, "Wow, I'm gonna put this in this bottle, and I'm gonna send it through to the, the mail to the church because they want it." Apparently, I, I don't know. Who would think of that? It wasn't me. How I just, did we get on this topic? I don't know. The church. The church. The church. There you go. I'm going to start my own church. That's yeah. it. What, what would your church be about? Um, my church would be about freedom and not following any rules. So you wouldn't have so to show would, up. the church of anarchy? Well. Yeah, but that has rules too. Does it? Church of chaos, maybe? Yeah. Okay, so the problem is if nobody shows up, what are they paying into? Because you need to... You They're need to paying have... into freedom. You want to do what you want? You pay if you have me, to do pay what you to, want. If you have to pay to be free, then it's not freedom. <laughs> it's not freedom. It's, it's a and then it's all going to fall well, on nothing, its face. Nothing ever works. The only right? nice thing about it is it's all tax exempt. Well, exactly. That's why. So you can do charitable work, but nobody will show up because they don't have to because <laughs> right. you're free. Exactly. So I feel like that would probably fail. <clears throat> Although crazier things have been done. I, I, think, I feel like that was done in a movie or... There's the Church of Atheism, so I mean, if people are going to gather around to talk about what they don't believe in, then I think a Church of Freedom could work. 
It's true. It's possible. Yeah. The only thing is you can't have a set time because then, you know, I don't want to go when you tell me to go. That's the problem. It's true. So you as the leader of this new church can just freely sit in the church waiting for people to show up at whatever time. No, I'll do it online. Well, there that you way you can just pop in whenever you want. Online only religions. Yeah. There's, that's got to be it. Yeah. That's the thing of the future. Man, my grandmother used to sit around at the TV all the time waiting for mass or whatever. But like, if you could just, you know, take a little stream, snippet of religion, Sunday mass, stream your mass, whatever you want. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be Sunday mass, would it? But my, that's, you can record it. On that's Sunday organized, at the very least. right? My my Tilsonburg church does streaming of their masses. Hmm. So. Well, they stream funerals now, so why not? I know. It's it's a good business. It's a horrible, horribly morbid business, but if anybody asked me to record a funeral, I wouldn't be able to say no. No. It's well, kind yeah, of an accessibility thing. Well, right? yeah, it's really for like, to know, get so. the people from who can't make it from around the world. Yeah. 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 You can add sappy music at the right time and just really punch in that eulogy. Make a dramatic experience of yeah. it. <laughs> not that dun, it already dun, dun, dun. Well, not that. <laughs> More like... <laughs> the body falls out of the casket. Oh, what's okay, next? Are you going to get, get a DJ or something and then, then like, like a light show? I saw that there was a woman that was doing professional... Um, like, she, she would be your bridesmaid. Like, I realize that's a... It's a plot of a movie, but she was a professional bridesmaid, but she would also show up at other events, including funerals. So you could rent a bunch of people to come mourn your funeral if you felt like the real people weren't Isn't gonna... that kind of just like having an actress, renting an actress? Pretty or much. Or an escort, you know, depending how you want to look at it. So I wouldn't need an escort when I'm dead. No. <laughs> per, so a per, I'm trying to think of this. A professional bridesmaid. That could be like somebody that's almost a cheerleader at that point. Yeah. To get everybody else to have fun. Well, you, you get a bridesmaid who knows all the good things. You, you know the, the music to listen well, to. Well, wasn't that um, The Best Man, the movie? It was Something like that. Kevin it had uh, Josh Gad and Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart. But I can't remember the name. Might have been The Best Man or... I can't remember. I feel like it was. But, he, but Kevin yeah. Hart was a professional best man. Yeah. So, thankfully, uh, it, it got kind of hairy here or there, but thankfully I know I won't have to hire a fake <laughs> wedding party for my wedding. I have enough friends to go around. <laughs> oh, no. Wrecking the joint. Dropping the tequila. The coffee tequila. Co Why is it clear? You'd think if it was going to be coffee flavored in any way. Oh, no, wait a second. That's not the coffee okay. tequila. Whatever. <laughs> Multiple different kinds of tequila. So, going back, I know a thing about you. Actually, I know many things about you, but some of them we can't talk about. I was going to say, don't tell anyone. These yeah. are very pointed. There's a movie, which we talked about, that is coming out based on an adaptation of a short film, yes. short book, novel that you wrote. It's, yes. a no, it's a short film based on a novel that you wrote. It's actually a 15-minute film. Short film. It's a short film. Okay. I wasn't sure if there was a different name for it. You're the film people, not me. Because um, a book, it's a novella, novel. Basically, anything under 45 minutes is considered a short film. Uh, there's a weird in-between between 40 and 75 minutes where it can be considered a film, but the only time it can be considered a feature film is once it hits 70... 75 minutes plus. Okay. That's why there's no 60-minute movies in theaters. Just fun, interesting fact. Sure. What was it like writing the script 
adapting your book into a script. Um, adapting parts of your book yeah, into a script. Basically, I just took the main character, the demon of technology, and I wrote another, kind of like a spin-off, more really than an adaptation, because I have a lot of characters in my book, and this, because it's a short film, it could only have a set number of characters. So I wrote it a lot shorter, and I had never written a film before, so I googled how to do it, and I did it, and I sent <laughs> it to... <laughs> I know it wasn't perfect, obviously, because I've never done it before. I sent it to Lisa and she absolutely loved it and needed a few tweaks um, that I let them handle with the actors while they were, you know, in character and working on it and deciding what worked and what didn't work. I said, please go ahead. You have full license to change whatever you need to change to make it fit. And uh, they went with it. It was fun. So the writing was fun. Right. But I also know that you are not a fan of the actual filmmaking process. No, I find it very boring. Why? Let's talk about that. Because you stand around for hours and do nothing. Yes, that's oh. the worst part of it. But yes. you were you on set while they were filming some? I like, was. Did you? Because yeah. I've been telling Eric and Tila, and I've told you countless times, my <laughs> favorite part, the bug biting thing, the thing that makes it addicting, the heroin of filmmaking. The heroin of is watching people perform what you have written. Yes. Was um, that not fun? I wanted to be there for the main scene when they have, um, when they exercise the demon. That part I wanted to be there for. And unfortunately when it happened, I couldn't make it. So, um, but I got to see it in post-production, like the whole thing front to back. And it was awesome. Like I got chills at that part. Because I knew that was like the most intense moment, and that was awesome. And I could totally see that, like, you know, wanting to be there and, and watch all that happen. But the rest of it, like, you know, watch her go around and around with the scooter 3,000 times. Is yes, like, some... I'm ready to lie down and have a nap now. <laughs> <laughs> some stuff can get boring. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of small shots in film production of somebody, say, picking up a, a yes, remote. Yes, over and over again. It sucks to have to sit through, but they're all integral parts of of yeah. the film production, like your brother with the screwdriver having to film a, oh. an insert. We shot a... Film the scene where a character basically takes the screws out of a chair that's holding somebody up. They're, they've fallen asleep in the chair. And right. And goes up and does it and then walks away and the chair falls over. Yeah. But, but we had to film that so many times to get the close... Well, so many times to get the scene right, then you have to do the close-up shot of the screwdriver yeah. and so many little intricate details. But he didn't, on the day, he didn't understand why we were just getting a single shot of him pulling the screwdriver out of the cabinet. But it's getting that shot that to exact. establish the screwdriver yeah. so that way you can see what it is before you go to a wider shot, which yeah. can be boring, but it all just melts together into this beautiful, wonderful cinematic project. I'd still rather write it and then just watch it after. I just like it all. <laughs> I'm also, I'm because I have written as well a couple of um, shorts for Amazon Prime, um, which I can't tell you anything about them right now because I've signed a contract, but it's just not my thing. Because hmm. like, I'm used to writing a novel where you do the everything you're describing, you know, your scenes and what's happening behind the scenes and what's going on in people's minds. And when you're doing scripts, you're really just doing dialogue with little bits of setup. And I don't know how to do that because you read part of one of mine, right? 
and yep. and you were saying like you have way too much hair or whatever because because you want to describe it I suppose it's just what I'm of, used to yeah if you know ahead of time that you are going to be doing something after the fact like if you are going to be involved in the the physical creative process so the directing or whatnot mm-hmm. adding more details is very good but most of the time setting the scene saying you know they're sitting in a room that's sparsely decorated with with ugly <clears throat> ugly pink curtains or something or other right. like setting the scene is fine yeah. but to go into <clears throat> the the person's psyche that's not going to do well, anything you can't, no. because they have to show it on camera yeah exactly anyways. yeah and it's it's getting kind of like that reverse mindset that i find i had a hard time with uh, some of the first projects you do in film school are shooting films with no dialogue. And it's purely the the emotions of back and forth of mm-hmm. people to that way at least show. I mean, show instead of telling, which is very important, but very hard to do. It's one of the hardest things. Yeah. Well, and I left all that, all that fun stuff up to them. That's what I mean. That's why I gave her creative license because I'd never done it before and... I was like, please go ahead, do whatever you need to do to make it good. It's all ready to go. It's going to be um, in the, I don't know what, which film festival it is, in Hamilton in July. That's exciting. Yeah. Are you going? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's, that's an interesting side of things that I haven't experienced in school, the actual film fest circuit and whatnot. Um, I've been to TIFF before, which yeah. is cool. Not for anything that I produce, so it's less less of a business thing and more of just a look at the size and scope of everything. But to go to a film festival to see a movie that you're that you've worked on is really cool. Providing that you don't get stuck in the film festival's bottom rung and your movie premieres at like four AM. Yeah. Because sometimes <laughs> there are twenty four hour film fests and if your movie premieres after midnight yeah you're filler and that's depressing <laughs> so why even go i'm it's just gonna you know be what? you and the cast i'm just excited to see it on oh, screen i don't even care it's my first one right so have you you haven't seen the entire thing is that going to be the first time you've seen it i've or? seen it in in the entirety but without the special effects or the sound effects or any of that it was just this is the first cut and uh this so is what, what it, it looks look like. like without the special effects was it good? I liked it, yeah, of course. Yeah. Because there's a lot of old school directors that always used to, before films were digital, you'd have to lock your film without any of the effects. And the directors would say, if the movie looks good and cool without the effects, I can only imagine what it's going to look like oh. with them. Yeah. But if That's the movie, kind of if the where movie I'm looks at. lame without the effects, <laughs> yeah. they're only going to help so much. Yeah. No, they have some really good little, um, like you said, like the hand taking, the, like little scenes like that, that really uh, catch your eye and, and make you go, oh, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with this. Well, that's good. Yeah, I'm excited. Be exciting to see eventually. I know with film festivals, you can't, they, they like to have an exclusive right. Yeah, for a while. And everything. So you'll have to get us the dates. And if I'm free, I'd come. But I'll have to wait till there's a DVD or Blu-ray release. Yeah. And I'll hold out for Blu-ray. <laughs> Blu-ray. All that resolution counts. That does, right? <laughs> if it was shot, might as well. Yeah. Might as well get the full experience. Yeah. Um, I do... 
without without getting into spoiler territory or whatever, mm-hmm. the movie is about a a, di- a digital demon, right? Good way of explaining it. Yeah. And I've always wondered, and I haven't pressed, but I might as well press. Would you consider that this is the release poster of the movie? Yeah. When I look at this, yes. I think of a movie that's premiering at Sundance that has absolutely nothing to do with a digital demon. Is this poster a good representation of what we're going to be seeing in the movie? Is there a reason as to why it's like, do you know? Well, like it's just two people laying <laughs> side by side. They're not laying, they're standing. Maybe they're, because... Okay, standing, Yeah. still. Um, Is there something I'm missing? Is there a demon in there? No. No, no, it's not that obvious. It's a good photograph, but I see what yeah. you're saying about not really telling I think anything. it's, um, they're supposed to be like looking at either a phone or a computer, whatever, an iPad, like they some kind of screen. They got reflecting in their eye, that's and, for sure. you know, they're, they're now frightened because there's a demon coming and it's like a shock. I was always just curious and I wanted to ask yeah. but now was the appropriate time to ask because um, are you going to write more? Is it going to be a sequel? Are you going to do anything like that? Are you going to write more scripts if people want you to? Um, I do write the scripts because I get paid so that's why I write them that's good enough. yeah because that's not obviously my passion but right now no one's paying me to write them a book so well, it keeps the option op- options open yeah. for more little yeah. short films. Every little bit helps because I do have to pay my own editors and they're expensive. Mm-hmm. I think the one of the best and worst things in the, the the film industry is the fact that camera equipment has become so... I did it again. I can stop touching this poster. Uh, camera equipment has become so affordable that there's this this amazing movement of short films that exist that look better than ever possible years ago yeah and every short film that exists obviously needs a writer and since you consider yourself to be an indie author being an indie filmmaker is or an indie film screenwriter is perfect yeah it's just par for the course and the way it's going there is no shortage of film locations like Hamilton is just gearing up for a new film production house and Toronto will eventually have a fully produced Netflix hub plus everything else so it's it's a good time to be around so I'm told (laughs) so um, are you working on any other books that you can or can't talk about books always I can talk about books because they're my own um, I have written a serial killer novel that's set in Toronto, and I use actual Toronto locations. Hmm. Uh, one of which is because I can't give away the plot, but I actually contacted the location and asked if I could use their name because they are privately owned um, and kind of use liberties with the interior and stuff like that. And they approved. Of course, they want to copy when it's done. Hmm. And that one is taking longer because um, I have it in line editing right now. So someone is actually literally reading every single sentence to check, you know, make sure it's good and it flows with the rest of the book and all that stuff. Um, because I want to send it to an agent to get a publisher 
a Canadian publisher for that one because it's set in Toronto. So I think that's... So then you're exiting the indie world because that's not indie. No, but the rest are still indie. I mean, hey, if I happen to get be picked up and, you know, get options where people are going to actually pay me to write, well, then I'll take that because then I don't have to go to work anymore because I love doing this. It's not like work. I go home after my day job and spend four hours writing and I love it. Do you do you know any... It's been a long time since I've seriously sat down to think about potentially selling a book. Do you think it takes one one moderately successful Canadian book to have a publisher pay you to write? Like where, where I don't know where the advances would come in. Do you need a few good hits no. under your belt before they no, give you, you an advance? No, you only need one. I mean, if you look at um, Fifty Shades of Grey is always the best example. Everyone knows it. That was one book that launched her career. About yes, and then Harry Potter, of course. Well, Harry Potter, yeah, but that's. Although there's many stories about how hard that was to get published. Yes. Yeah, and again, they had like um, tricks that they did, and you know, a lot of that came out after. But she's already rich, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not doing that right because it's obvious what I've written. It's a serial killer novel, and it's set in Toronto, and I'm hoping that that'll be my stepping stone. But um, in the meantime. I have a novella right now called the, I just recently changed the name. Um, it's about a zombie boys club. Sorry, zombies? A, a zombie boys club. Yeah. So the, the way that I've written this one is because I am sick to death of zombies. I'm going to be the first one to say it. I don't even care. I hate zombies. They're boring. Like everyone's doing it and everyone's on the bandwagon for some reason. So these boys are actually, they say, well, zombies aren't ever going to really happen, right? Like everyone knows it's never, ever going to happen. So they decide to start scaring people with scary masks on, and it turns into a little bit of torture and eventually murder, and it gets a little bit hairy. Hmm. So uh, that novella is in editing right now, and that I'll be publishing myself within a month or so. And I've also started writing a new young adult kind of romance novel about a gargoyle a gargoyle yeah huh so i have that too so i'm always doing something that's cool and i'm i'm in anthologies like crazy like i write short stories every day or two and submit them everywhere i can um i had a question about the the zombie with the zombie boy. Why can't I remember the title? Zombie Boys Club? Initially, it was called the Zombie Boys Club, which is why that is what stuck in my head. The Zombie Effect. Thank you. Mm. That's what it's called, the Zombie Effect. Because it's the effect that the zombie society has on our children today. I think zombies are weird because they have, I mean, over the course of like cinema years and whatnot, they've had their dips and ups in popularity and now there's another zombie movie with Bill Murray and yeah Zombieland 2 well no there's another there's another one yeah it's just in the I don't know if it's out yet I forget exactly oh the dead don't die or something like that okay but it's like an it's it's a zombie independent type movie like it's a very sarcastic movie which I like I, I like that sarcasm. too, yeah. I like comedy, so I'll watch, even zombies, I'll watch zombie comedy. 
But I think in general, with most things, there's the height of the popularity, then it dies down, and then there's people saying, oh, we're tired of zombies, and they write stuff about how they're tired of zombie stuff. And then it may disappear for a little bit, but then it'll come back. Yeah, but it's been ongoing for how long? Like, when did Walking Dead start? That's that was 10 years ago? Yeah, that's, yeah. It, it's done now. And I dipped off about the end of season two, because I had <laughs> enough of it. Yeah I, yeah, I watched through season one and thought, eh. And then, season, I like season one. I thought it was interesting. And now it's just a, it's a spin-off craze. Like they have I the know. Fear of the Walking Dead, which is the Yeah, and they're all just like drama. But you have all people, boring. like you were a writer, you were a reviewer of Z Nation. So I you... love Z Nation, but it was totally like tongue-in-cheek, comedy, gore. I love so that. So Z Nation, you know, the Asylum, Sharknado and whatnot, yep. they produced a TV show yeah. for sci-fi, right? Yeah called z nation and it was like low budget the walking dead-esque i know that's yeah so some of the humor and cheese of sharknado on a weekly yeah televised series. and i loved it it's it was, done it now was so though right fun. yeah we, they only did five seasons which is crazy and i even i interviewed carl schaefer the i interviewed creator. one of the producers one of the owners of the asylum for a thesis paper back in school yeah yeah, and I did an uh, interview with one of the stars, too. That's cool. So, like, I was really... Because I was writing for 1428.elm.com. Um, so I had to, you know, produce something every week. And that's what I had gone with. And then I did Santa Clarita Diet as well, which is Drew Barrymore. Yep, she's, and it's done, too. She's zombie. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it was funny, and I like funny, so... Do you ever see yourself writing some sort some sort of schlocky, like Z Nation or Sharknado type thing? Do you think you could ever go into the cheese, like the super cheese? I wish I could. I would love to. I tried. It's really it's hard, hard to go super cheesy. You know what? It's harder than anything else. I did really? water raptors. Water raptors? Aquatic velociraptors? Yes. Okay. Because... <laughs> um, the, the whole premise was you there's there's this online video of uh, the video is called Shark Pool I'm sure you've seen it but the whole premise of this uh, movie trailer it's a fake movie is there's a shark in the pool and people keep dying and then there's the one voice of reason he's like nobody has to die just stay out of the Don't pool get in the pool <laughs> and I thought that's interesting yeah so what if you did a movie where Midway through, they're like, they're water-based animals just get out of the water. So they get out of the water, but then they find out that they're also land-based animals. So there's that moment where everybody thinks they're fine, and, and then they're, they're not. not. I got through like 10 pages before it just became too schlock. Like, I've watched a lot of bad movies. Yeah, I watch... You kind of have to have a balance, right? It can't just be all schlock all the time. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, like Spaceballs. Like, how does he pull it off? It's amazing, yeah, right? That's, that's parody, amazing. right? Like, yep. that's farcical yeah, parody still... and whatnot. At least you have something to base it off of for that. Stuff like that. I find parody is at its best. Do you ever see those really crappy, uh, like, disaster movie or not? 
yes, yes. Not another teen movie. Not another those teen things. movie. Yeah. Uh, date movie and whatnot. Yeah. The problem with those movies is a lot of them were parodies of comedy. Mm-hmm. And when you make fun of something that's trying to be funny or something that was acclaimed as funny, that's hard. Because you're taking yeah. a joke, changing the joke to make it fit your narrative, and it doesn't always work. The only ones that worked well were the scary movies. Because they were, good. they were parodies they were of things that weren't comedy, necessarily, right? Like, there's always some sort of comedic elements in most horror movies, but they weren't just straight-up comedies. Yeah. But say, date movie, the three, or one of the major parodies was Meet the Fockers. Comedy. Yeah. So you're just taking a joke, changing the joke, making it shittier. Yeah, you're pushing it further. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not necessarily making it funnier. But then you get a movie like, well, scary movie or, like we said, Spaceballs, which is a parody of, I mean, Star Wars. Star yeah. Wars really isn't a comedy. There might be subtle, light, humorous moments. Yeah. But once you take the serious moments of the movie and then you add the jokes that's where it's better if you want to watch a funny movie based off of somebody meeting his parents just go watch meet the parents don't watch a parody about meet the parents yeah but the point is to be as dumb as you possibly can and they were horrible they were horrible although i learned something there was a movie that came out in 2010 called vampires suck and it was a send-up of of Twilight, yeah, Twilight and everything else. Yeah. And through whatever weird situation I got, I got to, either it was through IMDb, I can't remember, but I got to see an advanced screening of the movie, which is like being told you get to see an advanced dog turd. Like... But I watched it. Have you seen Wait, did, you ex- did you expect much going into it? No. Because it was by the same people that did. Date movie and epic movie and disaster movie and all of this stupid yeah. shit. And I watched it and I thought, this isn't as bad as it was or as I was thinking, but it was just straight parody of Twilight. There was no real pop culture references except for Twilight. And it was better than I expected. And then, for some reason, I got roped into taking a girl that I was seeing to the theatrical release of the movie. Oh, I like the day. Like, like you had seen it already. Yeah, I'd seen it already. So I'm like, uh, at least it wasn't horrible. And I'm watching it like, those fuckers changed it. <laughs> so I did some research. Huh. And yeah. the movie that I saw was the base. They knew what they were going to put in, and then... A month before the movie came out, because these are really cheaply made movies, they took everything that was pop culture, shot scenes around Amy Winehouse dying and stuff like that, and just put it into the movie and added on an extra 10 minutes of stupid pop culture jokes. Like, and they made it worse because of it. Wow. So the movie that I saw was passable, and then they... Ruined it. Ruined it, and made it worse. Okay, well, it's just like, and I know you hate this reference because we've had this conversation oh before. Okay. The new Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh. If you watch the extended version, it is hilarious. They have the best jokes in the extended version that, for whatever reason, 
they either completely cut out or completely changed, like reworded them to be like brand cereal. Like it's, I don't even understand why they would do that. I watched the extended version, like I swear a thousand times. That sounds like a good idea actually because I, I watched the regular version and I didn't it find it sucked I didn't like it at all it, it wasn't as bad as a lot of people made oh, it out that to was me. a movie that just pissed everybody yeah off. like as something on its own merit it was okay yeah but maybe I'll give it the extended version but yeah if you watch the extended version like it's those moments those jokes that really make the show because hmm. I'll, I'll be watching it like if for whatever reason it comes on Netflix and it's on and I go to, I'll, I know it word by word now so I'll be saying it, and then it's like, oh, wait, no. Okay, they're not saying what I'm saying because it's the regular version on Netflix. Hmm. Well, a lot of times extended versions for stuff like that, like you get director's cuts on epic movies like Lord of the Rings well, or King yeah. Kong. But the extended versions that's for rude. comedies typically are the director's original vision. I don't even understand why they would change it. Pacing, timing, the movie studio But those studio were the meddling. best time moments. Yeah, but some a lot of times movie studios have their hands really deep and they say, no, we like it this way because we're going to do it like this. But they try to be maybe a little bit more PC with some of the jokes and it ends up screwing up the franchise yeah. so much so that now they're just like, fuck it, and they're going to do Ghostbusters with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. Which, I mean, yeah. Which is what they yeah, should have done anyway. Yeah, but they really did a good job. It gets a bad rap. Um, other movies... I saw Toy Story 4 last night. Did you? Yes. Was it good? It looks good. It was surprisingly good. I heard that it was good. Is it a little darker? It is a lot darker. Okay, good. Surprisingly dark. Just from the little clips that I've seen. I jumped a few times. There are horror elements in that movie that made me jump. Um, But the themes of the movie are surprisingly well developed for a fourth film. Right, like yeah. when you look at the first three, they had a good. But it, natural it was a arc. long, a long space between, right? Like yep. how long has it been? Ten years? Nine. Nine. Since Toy Story three. Really? Yeah. yeah. Two thousand ten. Time yeah. has gone by way too quickly. Yeah. Um, I, know I mean, problem. there was a huge space between two and three, though. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine to two thousand ten. Yeah. Was two th- was between two and three. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think I liked three. Three was the best one. <laughs> it wrapped everything up. It probably I, should have been the. I can't remember. I, I, I didn't like it when they introduced the girl. Cowboy. That was two. Okay, that was two. two. That's the one I didn't like then. I watched I that as a kid, so I thought it was okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm old. The interesting thing about <laughs> Toy Story Four is, if you look at one through three, it's a good trilogy. It's one of the best kind of like yeah. cinematic trilogies out there for for kind of family friendly character development, and the fourth one just seems like. It could have, if it was a book series, the fourth one might have been an epilogue that was extended. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I won't spoil it because there's things that happen that you wouldn't expect to happen, which is weird to say when you're talking about Toy Story. That's good. That's good, though. But it's, it takes elements from the third one, throws them on their head just a little bit more so than you were expecting and the ramifications of some characters choices there's like some deep existentialism there's about a ton of existentialism in this movie <laughs> but throwing away toys like they're trash and and well that's the whole thing in the movie the girl character makes a, a toy out of a f- spork huh. and 
Oh, is that what that weird looking thing yeah. is? Yeah, and the, the spork becomes nope. alive, and he's all like, I am trash. Right. <laughs> and then he finds out that he's a toy, and he he starts to get his per. It's really weird. Like, it's the best fourth movie of a series possible, I think. And I don't think they should do any more, but if they do, for whatever reason, I'm sure it'll be good. They seem to really care about those, because that's the, the Toy Story is the one that started Pixar. That's the one that really kicked it all off. And they do the characters justice. It was very well done, very dark in some areas, and I forget what my original point was. Yeah, that sounds like a good summary of the movie. I don't know I'm either. probably going to go watch it. <laughs> I saw it at a drive-in, my first oh, drive-in yeah? movie. In, Th- in Thorold or yeah. Thornhill? Your well, first drive-in movie? The Division. Yeah. Holy... Did you watch two movies? Yeah. You were uh, what? abused as a child, weren't you? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. No, I just say that. There's no drive-in theaters it was, near Tilson. It was big for us to, you know, you, Friday night, get in the car and go to the drive-in. I have a friend, and he's the only one that says this, so whatever. But he says, when I talk about not going to drive-in theaters or whatever and not really liking them, he's like, what? That's like a country thing. He's, like, he's talking about, like, that's like the country thing to do if you grew up in the country or, or you're a country person. And I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. I'm like... That's that like is a, weird. Isn't that the city person? Because yeah, it's not like, like they have drive-ins in Illinois. It's it, it just where I like, grew up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but perhaps it was in a farmer's field, but it was outside of Toronto or whatever, and you know, right, you would drive yeah. out there and watch a movie or something. Uh, and it was it's just a cheap excuse not to air condition a building, pretty much. <laughs> just you know, but the car. the experience was cool. I thought. Okay. I'll go back. It was kind of retro. Like the announcement at the beginning was obvious. It has been the announcement for years where they make it seem retro. The intermission video yeah. is cool. The double screening. I mean, last night it was Toy Story 4 and Aladdin, which I wanted to see both. Uh, Toy Story 4 was amazing. Was Aladdin better good? Than Aladdin. Aladdin was good, but the animated movie was better. Yeah. They changed certain things that they probably shouldn't have, but Will Smith made a great genie. Good People were pissed it. about that, but he did very well. Why, all black of, guy can't be blue? What the hell? All of the art looks really silly, to be honest, but I you know, saw the pictures when people were freaking out about it. So maybe, yeah, it yeah, maybe it's not bad. It works. I can see Will Smith doing a good a job. non-picture, because when you're taking a picture of a digital character, sometimes they don't look that great, but yeah. when he's moving around and flying, he's funny. The only other person that could have, outside of Robin Williams, uh-huh, right? I was going to say Robin Williams. If, if the only other live person that I think would have made a really good genie, Jimmy Fallon, Gabriel Iglesias. That would be so interesting. True. Did you see he's now in a series? Yeah, he's on a Netflix uh, yes, sitcom. I just saw it oh. yesterday. Yeah, I'm excited to so watch it. The hell? trailer made it I, look really good. I started good. watching, but I'm not big on kids, so. <laughs> Okay, I shouldn't say so, that. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess a sitcom about but, a know, teacher the, probably doesn't do it for you. Yeah, that's the problem. Because I was watching him, and I liked him, and he was funny. And then these kids started talking, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Um, I've been hoping he would get back into sitcoms for a long time. And this one, I guess, I mean, Netflix gave him a fuck ton of money to do it. But I wish yeah. it was maybe a little bit more of a standard sitcom. Less about the kids, more about family. Yeah, me too, yeah. I like the... The classics, or even situation. like you know, with him, a single guy, yeah, where he's like the roommate of a family kind yeah. of situation. There That'd be perfect. There been stuff like so many, and who knows, stuff might come out now that he's into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, Aladdin was good. I'm looking forward to the Lion King. I think the Lion. I didn't even know they were doing it again. Yes, so it's all CG animated. It comes out in yeah. August or July, and 
my prediction, I have a bet running with Luke. The first one yeah, I wanted... came out in 94. Yeah. And it made a billion dollars in 94. Adjusted. Made a billion dollars. Lion King this year is going to make two billion. Avengers just did it. And Avengers surpassed two billion. But given the fact that how well loved the Lion King is. Yeah. It could the be, cast. It could be bigger. Yeah. Like, um, well, yeah, plus you're going to get the new generation yeah. and the old generation. Bunch of kids. They yeah. have James yeah. Earl Jones as Mufasa, so they already beat out a ton of the other movies. But they scrapped every other voice actor. Yes, they did. The one that I was really sad about, I don't well, mind. All of that, like, everybody's, st- everybody's still alive, but they just hmm? scrapped them. No, well, I know they did. Well, but... yeah, because they're all grown up, so it doesn't matter. You wouldn't recognize their voice anyway. Well, Matthew Broderick's voice really hasn't changed all that much, and he was Simba. Yeah. So he could have did it, but he's not yeah. as marketable now. And that's that's the problem. Yeah. And you know whose fault that is? I read an essay. Where I... Sarah Jessica Parker's. Well, Matthew <laughs> Broderick, yes. No, <laughs> it's actually Aladdin's fault with Robin Williams as a genie as to why Disney is now so big into their celebrity casting. Because all the original Disney movies up until basically Aladdin... You had good voice actors, not celebrities. Mm-hmm. Good voice actors. Then after Robin Williams knocked it out of the park with knocked it out of the park with the genie, people started to think, okay, so we can get other celebrities to do the voices, and it will draw people in. It will draw adults in because they know the celebrity. And here we are with The Lion King, <clears throat> with um, uh. Donald Glover is Simba, Beyonce is Nala. Like it's a real it, star-studded oh, cast. Yeah, so they're trying it makes to draw sense. names. I mean, I, I'd I'd like to see those performances, to be honest. But the only one that different. I'm really sad because they got James Earl Jones back as the dad, yeah. which is perfect. It'd be cool if they got like Samuel Jackson to replace. That'd be him good too. Oh it. my god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> it's a circle of motherfucking life. <laughs> um, but the original voice actor who played Pumba. Was the he was amazing. Devoted voice oh. actor. So everybody else, Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick, everybody. After the original movie, they did come back to do the direct DVD sequels. But Pumbaa, and his name is Ernie Sambella or something like that. He is the An only one that guy. said, "I love this character so much. I'm going to do him on the TV show. You can pay me the minimum scale to do him on the TV show. I can do him in all the video games. I'm going to all the toys. My character." And I will do it. And he did that for years. Good. And he got the shaft. Yeah. It would have been nice if he could have. But well, yeah, now after it's all Seth this Rogen. time. <laughs> Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Oh, my God. Seth Rogen is Pumbaa. He's be too distinctive. But his voice from the yeah. trailer, he's doing a character. He doesn't sound like Seth Rogen. So it'd be interesting. I'm going to have to listen to that because I'm very good at voice picking up people's voices. But $2 billion. That's my prediction. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. I wouldn't contest that. Luke thinks I'm crazy. Luke says 1.5. is going to make a billion dollars. That's a guarantee. We should all just... go to the theater. And... We should go to the theater and oh, see it. We could. That could be our... We... Your date night? No, we, we tried to do a test. Did you... You're a horror person. Did you see the Halloween? The new Halloween? Yeah. yeah. No. Well, no interest. Why? Why? Because it's a man in a mask. But that's that's like... It wasn't. It, it wasn't bad. It's just a slasher it was movie. It was. It was quite good. To me, horror is like you know demons and ghosts and paranormal and. Yeah, but it gets really freaky when it could just be a man in the mask, though. Although there's plenty of magic, weird stuff and yes, and was Halloween. There? But what we did Kinda. is we tried to, we 
recorded a <laughs> review in the parking lot, Luke, T, Bad and idea. Eric, and I after. Uh, did you? Where did you post it? I didn't see that. Yeah, nobody did. Oh, okay. <laughs> didn't work out. So Some, you didn't do a podcast. Somebody forgot to hit the record button on the audio. Oh. So it was gone. But that's okay. <laughs> but if we do the line. So you game, didn't record a review. Well, we had a you video. Did a review. There's a video of us shouting in a windy <laughs> parking lot. <laughs> so you should just do. You should cut out the sound and do voiceovers. Come on, get back together and do a voiceover. You can't capture the magic that happened that night. It it's was okay. magic. It was truly <laughs> it was once magic. in a lifetime. Yeah. No, so we could do it with the Lion King. The Lion King would be interesting. It's any. Can I, I know we had to wrap this up soon, so. Who said that? Uh, I don't know. Isn't getting late? How many? Who's going to want to watch us yakking for two hours? It's a good point. Okay. You so want to hit on something then? Yeah. I do. Okay. I want because is it selfless promotion? Selfless promotion. Selfless. No, actually, no. It's actually shameless promotion. Shame. <laughs> Where did you get the photo? Is that Alan Rickman? That people said it looks like Alan Rickman and Tom Cruise. Does together. a little bit. Faces faces long like Alan Rickman a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. See it. But I want to promote this one because this is the book that my father was initially trying to write. Um, he had about 60 pages and he had a concept and he just was struggling with what to do with it. Um, he didn't know how to write it or where to take it. And he asked if now that I was writing, if I would do it. So I took his idea and I asked if it was okay if I changed it completely. Um, just because his plot in the long run wouldn't work. Like you couldn't carry it far enough to be a full novel, like maybe a novella. So he said, yeah, I could change it because I had an idea how to, to switch it up and, and make it even better. And so I wrote this book for my father. And I like to share that with people because, you know, that's kind of like his claim to fame too, right? So it's got his name up here, created by Jim Jacobs and then written by me. Both easily abbreviated, although. TJ. TJ and JJ. That's right. Hey. Hey. That's our photo. That's right. And nice. it's got the photo that you took of me on there. 607 people go missing every single day without a trace. Is that true? Yes. I just watched a documentary about people going <laughs> missing in, in the UK. But yeah, people just like disappear. Yes. It's a thing. Yes. Jeremy Samuelson is an ex-Canadian security intelligence service agent and is one of them. Four months after his mysterious disappearance, Jeremy reappears. But in his mind, no time has passed. Dot, dot, dot. The least official thing about that intro was that the person was Canadian. Like, it's, it's <laughs> like really high ups official or whatever, but he's Canadian. Oh, okay. It was just some guy. Yeah, but then so. I also have, because um, four, it's four main characters who go missing. And okay. the rest of them are Americans. One of them's an army general, retired army, army general, it's, I should say. It's told from the perspective of the person who went missing or... Um, it's actually told in the third person, so yeah. yeah. Uh, so every character kind of has their own. You go through when they went missing, not when they went missing, when they return, because to them no time has passed. Hmm. So you know the one girl, she's um, at Harvard, and she goes walking into her class, and while her class is locked and there's no people around, she's like, she starts freaking out, what the hell's going on? Um, and then they find out that while well, she's been missing for four months and there's another person living in a room and wow. yeah so it's it's really in the beginning cool. it's very mysterious and then as jeremy the the main main characters because he's you know a csi agent um he starts to dig deeper into it and the government think that another 
country, maybe kidnapped him and have put some kind of plot in his mind to take over the world or something. So they actually, the government starts putting him under hypnosis to find oh. out what's going on. And then so it sounds like it's inspired by like the Russian sleeper cases <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, cool. but it's science fiction. So did you what see... they find out is not anything to do with our world. Cool. Do you see the TV show Manifest? No. Have you heard of it? No. Talked about it a few times. I have yet to watch it. I hear it's good. Uh, what channel is it on? I've never heard I of it. I can't remember. I'll okay. get you the information. Because I have Netflix and Amazon Prime. So. Now that I'm talking about it, I'll get you the information. But it's a airplane that leaves... I forget. It might be Jamaica that it leaves from. And it lands in the States. They think everything's fine. But five years has went by in that time. And they have no recollection of the five years oh, cool. going. Yeah. So, you know, people have died, people have moved on, there's a very interesting effect, and they, the, the entire show kind of starts very confusing, but I don't know if they went the sci-fi route or the religious route, it's very, I don't know how they're <laughs> going to explain it, Yeah. but it, it seemed intriguing. Not enough for me to watch it right as it aired, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, I've never heard of it. It's called Manifest. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want people thinking I sold their ideas, but I didn't. Because this is written already. Well, of course. It's right there. I know. Okay. Was that the last thing you wanted to talk about? Sure, because otherwise we'll just sit here talk all night and then people will just turn it off, right? Perfect. <laughs> well, that's about par for us anyway. So. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you everybody for listening. This has been a good interview. Talking yeah, about thank you very much for coming. We're very glad that you decided to make your second appearance and after the film premieres yeah well i have we'll make a know, third. i've always got stuff going on so yeah. yeah maybe we could do like a mystery science theater viewing of the movie hmm. anyways sure you never know yeah yeah wait till i get permissions and and then we'll go from there <laughs> all righty have a good night everybody thank you thank bye you. thank you don't forget to check me out